once again, because like I say every week, you ain't got to do it. You ain't got to listen to me. You can go listen to some other wrestling podcaster out there, but you choose to listen to me, and I will never, ever, ever stop saying it. Thank you so much. If you haven't told a friend to tell a friend to tell that friend, make sure you go tell that friend to tell that friend. Fastest rising wrestling podcast on the internet, One Man Faction. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you follow us at OMFPod. We're going to get it bracken like that, man. So I'm going to try something a little different. I'm going to let y'all see what I'm talking about. So I'm going to try a little different. I want to know y'all's opinion. Um, I got an interview today with Sam Adonis. He is one of the more popular wrestlers that is on the independent scene. He's also Corey Graves' younger brother. Was just on the Chris Jericho podcast, Talk is Jericho. Super cool dude, man. Um, he was a guy who I saw earlier today. I said, hey, man, you know, I would love to talk to you. He said, okay, I will, uh, I'm going to come back and talk to you. And, you know, a lot of wrestlers, they told me I, they, I would come back and talk to you, and they never did. But Sam, he came back and talked to me, and that really meant a lot. So uh, I just want to see what y'all think. I'm going to kind of do like a kind of brief rundown of the, the week of wrestling. I'm not going to like elaborate and then I'm going to get straight to the interview. Uh, last week I kind of talked about it a little bit and then I rail, I rolled the interviews and then I went down to my analysis of the week. So I'm going to try the analysis this time first and then the interviews. If y'all like the first way better last week or you like this week better, let me know and we'll uh, keep it going that way. So a guy who I spoke to last week, Matt Sidell, he had a, Pretty interesting week at All Out. Uh, he made he made a lot of waves on the on the internet with his uh, shooting star press. That dude hits it every single time. He hits it all the time. You know, um, just for some reason, the the moment right there, he uh, he missed it. And you know, stuff happens to me. They are humans. I know they're professional athletes, but I'm sure that, I mean, that dude can do that move in his sleep. Y'all got to think about this. Like, wrestlers, man, like, he's getting a lot of hate. You know, if you look at, like, other sports, Patrick Mahomes throws interceptions. Brian James turns the ball. You know, you know, had a little miscommunication. doesn't mean he's not a bad wrestler. And I feel like a lot of people are giving him a lot of flack for that. So, he was, like, he was a super cool dude when I talked to him, man. If you want to listen to it. It's on last week's episode, so make sure you check that out. So I just want to say that, man, I know, um, like, he probably won't let that happen again. And it was just, it was very unfortunate what happened. But the crazy thing is about the whole thing is, like, I thought it was, like, staged. The way he fell, the way he jumped off, I thought it was staged. I was like, oh, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of weird. I don't know what made them want to do that spot right there. Maybe to get a, uh, I don't know. It was just. It was just weird the way the whole thing played out. But, I mean, he still had a good showing if you uh, don't credit the shooting star press. But he had a great show, and hopefully we'll see him in AEW again in the future. So, yeah. We'll talk about AEW a little bit in the layer, too. So, I just want to talk about this real quick. So, Vincent Mann has apparently banned third-party platforms uh, that for his superstars to use. That includes, like, Twitch, Cameo, TikTok, uh, YouTube, I'm not sure about, but it just stinks. I, I kind of went on a rant on my TikTok page. You can see it on TikTok at OMF Pod. I just feel like, you know, he thinks these people are robots. Now, I know that he owns their name and everything like that, 
and he has a rights to it. But that doesn't mean like you can't stop someone's grind for you know not. I guess showing good WWE character, or you're not representing the company well, which is I think they're fine. They're I mean they're human beings too. They can't be if you want them to be in character literally all the time. That's not gonna work. The Undertaker isn't in character all the time. If you look at their last ride documentary, we were listening to Mark Calloway. We were not listening to The Undertaker. The man who literally protected his whole gimmick for the last 20 to 30 years finally opened it up. And now because of these superstars that are, you know, not being, you know, a good representation of the company or not doing things that are detrimental. I'm using quotations detrimental to the company on Twitch, which is not, which isn't anything at all. A lot of it. I feel like AJ styles did reveal on Twitch that he was one of the superstars that had COVID. So maybe Vince did not want that getting out. Maybe he wanted to keep it in house. And then AJ styles went on the Twitch page and told all subscribers that he had COVID and all screen grabs went around and stuff like that. It is what it is though. Um, what I've seen is apparently like whenever they do interviews or they do their Twitch streams or cameos, they have to use their real names and not their wrestling names. So Roman Reigns on cameos now, like Joe Annoy. I'm sorry, Roman, if I butcher you, if I butcher your last name, Joe Annoy. And then, uh, in quotation is Roman Reigns. So it's Joe Roman Reigns Annoy, um, which is fine, man, you know. I just don't want them to, you know, keep, I just don't want them to stop their cash flow. Cause the whole thing was like, my thing is like Xavier Woods built up, up, down, down from the ground up and has over 2 million subscribers. You know how long it's going to do that? And he kept that content going. And I was like, damn, I hope they don't take that man's page away from him. But I think AEW has a hand in up, up, down, down. Cause they do have a lot of the superstars on there. And then I think it's been featured on raw a couple times too. But I hate that, man. A little bit of breaking news, though. So, Mandy Rose has been traded to Monday Night Raw from SmackDown. Um, after she beat Sonya Deville, you know, I guess they didn't see anything for her on SmackDown. So, they're going to move her over to Raw. I guess they're kind of giving up on the Mandy and Otis love story thing because it's dead now. Definitely dead now. I mean, unless they trade heavy machinery to SmackDown. I mean, to Raw, excuse me. So, I don't know what they're going to get back for her. I feel like it may be like one of the Iconics that may take make that jump over to SmackDown. Either Peyton or Billy. Maybe Peyton, though. Because I guess they're going to push her a little bit more than Billy, unfortunately. And um, so, they're probably going to move Peyton Royce over to SmackDown. Just so people can... Understand that, nope, this breakup is legit. I hate it, too. I hate it. What'd y'all think of All Out? I thought it was a really good pay-per-view. I thought MJF should have won that title, though. I really do. But at the end of the day, Mox is still the AEW World Champion. I'm looking forward to his match with Lance Archer. Uh, FTR are now the AEW Tag Team Champions. And now Kenny Omega seems to uh, hopefully get ready to turn the leaf. And we got seeing the Kenny Omega from Japan. He talked about he wanted a clean break. That was a little Easter egg in there. 
So we're going to see what he does, man. Um, that's going to be on it. So let's jump over to Raw. So um, the whole Cedric Alexander joined the Hurt Business thing. I have never seen a story progress so fast in my freaking life. So first dude comes out. They jump him. They jump him before the match. And then I guess said is like, you know what? I'm tired of it. Instead of beating up the people that just beat me up, I'm going to go beat my tag team partners up. So he beats up Ricochet. Cost him the match, of course. Later in the show, they have like introduction for Cedric Alexander into the Hurt Business. They give him a t-shirt. He explains him. He explains his actions, talking about, you know how hard it is to team up with somebody who calls himself the one and only? Okay. And then they have another match later that night. Like, that whole thing should have took maybe two or three weeks. Like, you jump him. You turn on your partner. Okay, that's one week. Explain your action. That's another week. Then you can have the match. That's another week. But the whole thing just like is like they they crammed it all for this one episode. I don't know why. Maybe they're just maybe they're just low on stories for the week. But it was just odd to see. I was like, man, what in the? I've never seen a story progress so fast in my life. That was the first. I'm happy for Cedric though. I hope this is a opportunity to people to remind people how talented he is. And hopefully Ricochet can start going back to being. The Ricochet we all know and love from NXT if he gets TV time. I will give you a little uh, hot take I have I've been thinking about. A lot of people have been wondering who the leader of Retribution is. Now a Raw exclusive thing, apparently. He, they got tired of showing up on SmackDown. So a lot of people want to know who the leader of Retribution is. I have a theory. A lot of people thought it was Roman Reigns. A lot of people thought it was The Miz. But since they moved him over to SmackDown, that whole thing's dead. What if the leader of Retribution is Samoa Joe? Now, I thought about this. I was like, you know what? Samoa Joe just been sitting there, you know, hurt or not hurt, doing his job on commentary. Whenever Retribution comes on Raw... They don't touch the announcers. Whenever they go on Smack, whenever they did go on SmackDown, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, they they scared them off like little girls. So why don't they touch the announcers on Raw? Because Samoa Joe's a leader. Now, we all know that everyone from Retribution is probably gonna come up from NXT. Maybe he went down to NXT, try to rally the troops a little bit, get in their head. Who wouldn't want to listen to the first ever two-time NXT champion? So, if Samoa Joe pops up as the leader of Retribution, don't be shocked. You heard it here first on One Man Faction. If I was a bad man, I would put a good amount of money that Samoa Joe be reviewed as the leader of Retribution here in a couple of days. As the guy in the chair, as the one pulling all the strings, literally the guy in the chair because he's out of commentary. He's the one pulling all the strings. He's the one manipulating it. He's the one controlling it. 
He is the game master of retribution. That's enough on Raw for me. Let's go to NXT. Finn Balor, NXT champion. Been a long time coming. So, uh, I'm not sure if he wanted to win it this way when someone had to relinquish the championship, but I'm happy that it happened. When Finn Balor came to NXT, I was like, okay, only it's only a matter of time before he's the NXT champion. Now, it's been about a year since NXT's went live on USA, and now he's finally got that championship, and I'm excited for it. Like, I've said it before, Finn Balor is easily the biggest star you have on that brand. You can make a case for Adam Cole, but Finn Balor has all the main roster experience, was a universal champion, intercontinental champion. And now he has opportunity to set a lot of young guys up in that roster, have good showings against him. And then when Karrion comes back, they could have a match. And I think this is where we would see the demon make his return. We haven't seen a demon yet since Finn Balor's been on NXT because he's, you know, I guess a heel or a tweener, whatever he is. There hasn't been no need. I was kind of shocked that he won that championship because I can't remember a time where he didn't win a championship without the demon. So, Finn Balor shows up. Karrion Cross shows up. He shows up in all, you know, demon clothes because, you know, Karrion Cross is like this unstoppable force. I would imagine that he will win his championship back from Finn Balor and then the Demon and Karrion Cross can do their thing. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great whenever it does happen. You know, what's crazy about AEW going back there is like I talked about how MJF should have won that championship. And then we get a little wrinkle in the relationship between MJF and Warlow. So apparently Warlow doesn't even work at AEW. Like what? Apparently MJF owns Warlow. Not like some like slave type stuff, but he works for MJF. He doesn't work for AEW. He said, Tony Khan doesn't sign your checks. I do. He says, you need me because you have a family to feed. And I'm just like, What? Because I'm sure everyone else is thinking, like, why didn't Warlow turn on MJF? He should have turned on him a long time ago. Like, he's so much bigger than him. Why does he let him talk to you like that? But now it all makes sense. Warlow works for MJF. And MJF signs his checks. MJF is, like, literally his boss boss. Does not work for AEW, apparently. That's crazy to me. So whenever they do break up, Warlow is going to be one of the biggest baby faces on that brand. Just for the sympathy card. I just, I did not see this coming at all. I just thought Warlow was just a signed superstar, you know, maybe he's trying to make his way around the main roster and, you know, MJF found him, saw potential in him, and he said, you know, come hang out with me. But nah, he, he owns Warlow. That's, that's wild to me. That's wild. And then the most recent wrestling, SmackDown. I love this new attitude by Roman Reigns. I love how he lives vicariously through his T-shirts. I love how his T-shirts literally say what he's going to do. Show up and win. Dude hits a spear on the tag match with him and his cousin, Jay. And he showed up and won. Wreck everyone and left. Love to see it. 
And then the whole Bailey thing with Sasha, why she turned on Sasha, generic. I mean, you know, I don't need you anymore, Sasha. I saw this coming. You need me. Just, I'm, you know. A lot of people thought it was going to be Sasha turning on Bailey, but nah, Bailey turned on Sasha. You know, Bailey's a great heel. I feel like she'll never go back to that ponytail Bailey buddy phase ever again. Bailey is in the pocket right now that she needs to be in, and she needs to stay there. So I guess Sasha's going to take the SmackDown Women's Championship off of Bailey, and then probably lose it again to Bailey because she can't defend the championship to save her life. But until then, we're going to get Nikki Cross again facing Bailey at Night of Champions. Now, there's a lot of people that you could have put in this spot. You could have let Lacey Evans win. You could have let Naomi win. Naomi wasn't even in the match. Alexa Bliss would have been cool. When the last time she got a women's championship opportunity? My thing about Bliss, though, is like I feel like I love seeing her with the Fiend, but I feel like she's too good for that spot. Why are you turning a five-time women's champion into, like, the Fiend's puppet? She's one of the most successful women on that roster. They could have did that with, you know, I guess the obvious choice would have been Nikki Cross. I mean, they could have did a lot of people. They could have did Carmella, too, honestly. I mean, I guess she's getting repackaged, but shut up. But nah, she wasn't doing nothing. She could have did it with Dana Brooke. Why Alexa Bliss? I understand this, the, the tie-ins with Strowman, but... I I just feel like Alexa Bliss should be doing way much, so much more stuff. Like I said, I already listed off her accomplishments. Two-time women's tag team champion, five-time women's champion, money in the bank winner. She definitely could be doing a lot more. Before we get into the interview, though, I feel like I should probably discuss the biggest thing that probably happened this week. Miro, formerly known as Rusev, made his AEW debut. When he pulled up as the best man with Kip Sabian, and he came out looking like a Bulgarian Slim Shady, I was like, oh, man. AEW just got a freaking star, man. I'm happy for him. Hopefully... He is utilized a lot more than he was in WWE. And the thing about this is like, I saw a lot of flack with this move that AEW made. Oh, another WWE guy, another ex-WWE talent. Like, what do you want these people to do? You want them to go back to work in bingo halls, bro? They're wrestlers. They got a family to feed. A lot of these indie shows aren't running anyway because of the pandemic. And it's like the dude already has TV experience. What? It's like you become a general manager at a store. Worked your whole life to get there. Right? Let's say you get let go from your job. Are you going to go back and work as a cashier? No, you're going to go find a general manager job somewhere else. WWE let him go. So the best alternative for him to do that gives him live TV exposure, that's big on production, is AEW. I mean, you can go to Impact, I guess, but it's AEW. Major network, you know, all that stuff that he's used to doing. So, I don't understand that. 
I'm cool with them signing ex-WWE talent. My thing is, you know, I feel like that there shouldn't be so many ex-WWE talent holding your titles right now. You got John Moxley, Brody Lee, NFTR, all just got released or left WWE, and they're all holding your championships. I feel like this is a time to build your talent. I mean, you look at Orange Cassidy coming out of All Out. He's going to be a star. You got guys in that promotion right now. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, MJF. MJF was the first guy to get a shot at the AEW Championship at a pay-per-view that wasn't from the WWE. I feel like that moment should have been his, and he should have won that championship. Undefeated and all that stuff. They're working on building it, but it's like, you ain't got to put all your ex-WWE tech guys in a championship picture. All your ex-WWE guys did not need to hold championships. But other than that, like, Miro, I'm happy for him. This is going to be cool. I don't really know about him being with Kip, though. No disrespect to Kip Saban. I just I did not think that Kip Saban was like a big star in that promotion to work with somebody at a caliber like Miro. If y'all see what I'm saying, I just feel like like what has Kip Sabian done recently on Dynamite, not Dark, but on Dynamite, that one of the hottest free agents in wrestling wants, or maybe he doesn't want, like one of the hottest agents in free wrestling, you're working with him off top in his first big program on his new brand. What has he done in AEW Dark or Dynamite that, that earned him that opportunity to work with Miro? Maybe they are really cool people. Maybe they are really good friends because of Twitch and all that stuff. They're both streamers or whatever. It was just odd to me to see Kip Saban get that spot. But like I said, this is part of building stars. So, I mean, if Miro can give him a little rubski, then, hey, he's done his job. And then Kip comes out of it looking better. And, you know, so does Miro. So, I'm looking forward to it. Apparently, Miro can uh, work in New Japan now, too. So, uh, hopefully, he goes over there and starts working with some of those guys. I'd love to see him go against, like, Evil or Fale or somebody like that. I think that would be pretty cool. But apparently this contract is for one year, and uh, to have an opportunity to, to sign him again at the end of the contract, and hopefully he makes the most out of this. Came dripped up, too. Came in the Gucci Disney joggers and the shirt, and came out with the Yeezys. I'm like, Miro's a freaking hype beast, man. <laughs> he is a hype beast. So, I look forward to seeing my guy back on my TV on Wednesdays. But as for this week, man, that's all I got. Um, we're going to get into this interview with Sam Adonis. Like I said, he is a super talented wrestler. Was signed to the WWE for a while. And um, now he's making his way around his independence. And he's hungrier than ever. Uh, he went through a time with COVID that, you know, he wasn't working. Like, like a lot of independent wrestlers, they were not working. He had to find work at other places. And we talk about that too. We talk about his struggle, talk about, you know, what it's like working again and getting through the pandemic. So appreciate y'all checking in. I'm going to reward y'all right now. Here is my interview with Sam Adonis. 
So we're here at the Indy Wrestling Expo. A lot of wrestling that's been taking place. It started at three o'clock today for the halftime heat. Now we are back again. About to go on about what, eight o'clock? Eight o'clock we start. Night number three. Show number three, night number two, and I'm tired already. So <laughs> I'm ready to get this out of the way. So if you can't tell, I'm talking to Sam Adonis. And he is going up against Brian Case tonight. Sam, first of all, I know you're tired, but how are you feeling uh, like uh, body-wise? You sore at all? Oh, I'm always sore. That comes with the territory of being a wrestler. But uh, I'm pretty excited for tonight. Brian's somebody that uh, I've been looking forward to wrestling for years. Uh, we had a bit of a uh, Twitter beef, if you will, a few years ago whenever we both had similar characters in Mexico. So everybody kind of you know, created this fictional narrative that we hate each other. <laughs> and we just haven't had a chance to get in the ring and tear it up. But uh, Brian's a great competitor, doing big things all the time. And I'm excited to be in there with him and uh, show the world what I got. So we had a similar character as you when you were coming out um, with the Trump flag in Mexico. He was doing that kind of same thing? Yeah, it was all about the same time. And uh, I guess what people said is, is he did it first. So everyone said I stole his gimmick. And the way I see it, it was just like, you know, I'm a foreign heel. I, I wasn't paying attention to what other people were doing, you know. It was just naturally what a heel in Mexico would do at the time, you know. So, uh, you know, it was something blown out of proportion, but, you know, it, it's cool now. And uh, I think we're both recognized for our abilities beyond just that character. So, in hindsight, it doesn't mean anything. So, you were just on Talk is Jericho for the uh, second time, right? First time you were doing Talking Shop. I'm guessing a little less alcohol was involved this time. Right? How was it talking to him? Oh, he's been a great guy. I actually met him in Mexico City that time we did the talking shop, that first episode with him. Uh, just because we share so many similar stories from the time we spent in Mexico, uh, it's nice to you know kind of see him as a friend. Uh, we're able to talk about just things that most other American wrestlers don't know and don't understand. You know, uh, there's not too many of us that have been able to work for CMLL in Mexico, so. Uh, it was a cool experience. It's getting a lot of positive feedback, and uh, I encourage everybody to listen to it. So you're the younger brother of Corey Graves. Um, how much of you wrestling um, was influenced by him? Absolutely none of it. <laughs> uh, uh, he was my trainer. He taught me most, uh, mostly, you know, he taught me how to wrestle, which was cool. But I've always done my best to be myself. Uh, I never needed to copy him. Our career paths couldn't be more different. I've done all my work, you know, internationally, and uh, he's made a great name for himself in the WWE. So it's cool that because to this day, people still are surprised that he has a brother, you know, <laughs> and, and not just a brother, but a brother that's achieved so much on his own. So I'm proud of that, and uh, I think one day, you know, people will, you know, know that we're brothers, but they're never going to make that comparison. But you were signed to WWE for a little bit, correct? Yes, before he was. I had a WWE contract in 2012 when it was FCW. And you were 21 years old with that contract. How was it being up there with, I'm guessing, guys way older than you up there starting at WWE? Did you feel like maybe you were too young to be up there? Or were you just you know trying to figure it out, or how did it work up there? A thousand percent I was too young. I was too uh, inexperienced in life to be there and have any sort of success. Uh, it was a great experience, great opportunity. I was able to learn so much while I was there, but uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, I wasn't ready to be there. Uh, but it's opened so many doors for me. That's how I've been able to make my connections worldwide, and uh, you know, do pretty well as far as that goes. Now, how much of you wrestling is um, 
Do you feel like you need to, like, succeed since your brother, you know, unfortunately had to quit wrestling? Do you have a lot of pressure on you, do you think, or are you just kind of just going out there doing your thing? I'm just doing my thing. Uh, I love pro wrestling more than anybody. I mean, I've changed my entire life for it. I was a fat kid in high school. I've chased my dreams, and I've almost accomplished most of the things I've wanted to accomplish. I was such a fan of Mexican and Japanese wrestling as a kid, so to be able to perform at such a high level that I have, um, I think it's a testament to how hard I'm willing to work and how I can achieve whatever. I think I'm at the point now where, you know, I've already achieved everything I want to do, and now it's time to take a serious turn it up and, you know, be one of the top TV stars. It's just, you know, time and, and waiting for the opportunity. Yeah, by looking at you, you wouldn't be able to tell that you were a fat kid, I guess. But you were almost, what, 300 pounds at one point? Yeah, I graduated high school about 293. I think it was the biggest that I've ever been. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've worked my ass off. It was something that... You know, I, I think wrestling talent's one thing, but part of the full package is looking like a wrestler and, you know, having the dedication and being willing to work as hard as possible. And that's why I'm, you know, in the shape I am today. Did you play any high school sports at all when you were uh, at high school now? No high school sports. Uh, I was just traveling every weekend with my brother to independent shows or my dad was running shows. I basically just grew up around the wrestling business. So you were, you wanted to do this basically your whole life. What was that moment for you? I guess if you saw a certain match or anything like that, I went to a show where it's like, I want to be a wrestler. It's never happened. I actually just always knew I was going to be a wrestler. There was never one specific instance. As long as I can remember, I mean, I was a kid wrestling on the bed with my brother or my dad, and just it's always kind of been in the back of my head. Like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm going to be a famous wrestler one day. It's <laughs> So it's a pretty amazing outlook, and I, I'm pretty big into positive thinking and just uh, dream it, do it scenarios. And I, I look at my, my situation as... You know, hopefully it can be an inspiration for somebody, you know, to know that just a normal-ass kid from the suburbs is capable of accomplishing their dreams as long as they're willing to put in their work. Like you just said, you've you known since you were, basically since you were born, so you wanted to be a wrestler. It takes a lot of just, like, discipline and just dedication just to see that out and not switch it up whenever you're in high school. When you told people when you were in high school, I want to be a professional wrestler, what did they say to you? And nobody had any any belief in me at all. It was just, they, they were like, yeah, okay, yes, yeah, I'm the fat kid that was just drinking too much, who was nuts. They never in a million years believed that I'd be able to do it. But now it's great because those same people that, it's not that they doubted me, they, they always had my back, they just thought it was kind of crazy. But those same people now are the ones that are most proud of me because they think it's amazing that, you know, I've called my shot in eighth grade and basically, you know, fulfilled it now. Uh, think about all the people you know and how many of them get to exactly live out their childhood fantasies. You know, it's pretty rare. I'm pretty proud of that. So the pandemic definitely affected, you know, a lot of people in many different ways. I know you talked about you had to go get a job at Amazon. What was that like working at Amazon? Oh, it drives me absolutely nuts. It's really humbling and it, it, it's uh, hard to have to, uh, you know, accept faith and, and work for a company like Amazon when, you know, in certain situations, you've been considered famous or, or, you know, a TV personality, you know, not having to answer to anybody but yourself and now having, you know, responsibilities. It's a terrible situation, but, I mean, the, the whole world will prevail, and it's just something, you know, I'm never afraid to put in the work, you know, as long as that's... Anybody who's willing to put in the work is able to get whatever they want out of it. So um, I think it's just something temporary, and I'll bounce back whenever all this is over. Did you have any situations where somebody will recognize you for delivering their package? They go like, aren't you Sam <laughs> Multiple times. Uh, it's cool because Pittsburgh actually is a pretty small city, and uh, I'm quite recognizable, you know, being 6'4", bleach blonde hair. I have a pretty good internet presence, and just the city, you know, in Pittsburgh, any wrestling fan, you know, they're, they're all quite aware of who I am. 
So it's nice to know that, you know, it literally happened last Wednesday walking into a gas station. You know, the guy was like completely freaking out that I was walking in there. And I'm like, well, I'm just an Amazon driver, not a wrestler right now, you know? That's crazy. Um, so now that we're kind of getting everything back going again, is this your first show back? How many shows have you done since you've been, since this one? This is my fourth show back, but they're all very spread out, spread apart. Um, Right now, it's just it's just a waiting game to wait and see where you can get to work. So right now, luckily, I have a lot of dates coming up, and I'm uh, really happy to be in the position I am. And I'm pretty sure, you know, 2021, we will bounce back better, faster, stronger, and, you know, look out for a lot more Sam Adonis. Did you, um, do you maybe want to get back to WWE, maybe do like the whole Drew McIntyre thing where he, I guess he felt like he was in a situation where he was too young, got let go, remade himself back in the Indies, came back now he's a champion do you, is that do you see yourself in that kind of same situation he was in i will do whatever it takes uh, to wherever anybody wants me i just want to be in a position where i can you know show my skills and talent as a wrestler so whether it's WWE, tna impact uh, AEW, new japan wherever there's an opportunity for me is where i will go and uh, i i just want to be able to let the wrestling fans know that i care about pro wrestling i just want everybody to have a good time with sam adonis in the ring well, thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it. You want to go ahead and plug all your social media people can follow you? It's Real Sam Adonis on all accounts. Uh, just search me on Instagram and Twitter, and you'll find it. You'll have my dates and anything else you need involving Sam Adonis. But thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Sam. appreciate it.